Welcome to the Wealth Experience Podcast. From big picture planning strategies to developing market trends, we bring light to a range of important matters so you can build your wealth with confidence. Brought to you by BMO Wealth Management. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us today. Today's episode focuses on our latest discussion of the release of the 2019 federal budget. I'm Dante Rossi, Director of Tax Planning here at BMO Wealth Management, and today I'm delighted to be here with my colleague, John Waters, Vice President and National Director of Tax Consulting Services at BMO Wealth Management. Today, we'll be covering some of the key points outlined in this week's federal budget release from the Liberal government entitled Investing in the Middle Class. We especially appreciate the opportunity to have John's insight today, given he was on location in Ottawa on Budget Day, attending the secured lockup reading of the budget documents prior to its public release in the House of Commons by Finance Minister Bill Morneau. So, John, thanks again for being here today. I thought we'd kick it off by providing our listeners with the benefit of some context on what you found to be the main key takeaways of the budget's focus. Well, thanks, Dante. Happy to be here. As you know, this was the Liberal government's and Bill Morneau's fourth budget and the last budget before this fall's election. So there were a few discernible themes that we noted. First off, housing, uh, specifically reducing barriers to home ownership, particularly for millennials or young Canadians. For example, uh, a first-time homebuyer incentive was introduced where the government, through the CMHC, would provide 5 or 10% of the home purchase price through a shared equity mortgage. Also, the allowable non-taxable withdrawal from your RRSP was proposed to increase from $25,000 to $35,000 as part of the home buyer's plan, which has to be repaid to your RRSP over a 15-year period. Secondly, I would highlight skills training, including the introduction of the Canada Training Credit, where the government will provide some financial support to cover up to half of eligible tuition or fees related to training, up to a $5,000 lifetime limit that will offset dollar for dollar tax otherwise payable or would be refunded. That sounds quite interesting. I certainly read a number of news articles with speculation in the lead up to the budget, which had anticipated skills training as a key priority with anticipated and expected measures aimed at helping Canadians boost their job skills. Can you tell us a little bit more about this criteria for the new Canada training credit? Sure. Well, basically, you would accumulate $250 per year in a notional account uh, between the ages of 25 and up to age 65. If you have earnings that are greater than $10,000 in a given year, but less than the top of the third federal tax bracket, which is approximately $150,000. And it includes eligible fees similar to those that would qualify for the tuition tax credit, except that notably it doesn't include educational institutions outside of Canada. That's great. Thanks, John, for clarifying those details. So you spoke about new housing and skills training measures as priority items in the budget. Any other notable themes you see worth highlighting here? Yes, Dante. I'd also mention the ongoing theme of integrity measures, which continues from previous budgets where the government tweaks existing legislation to target very specific perceived abuses, such as some complex international tax transactions or some strategies involving mutual funds whereby income has been converted to lower tax capital gains. 
each year there always seems to be much anticipation in the weeks leading up to the budget with no shortage of an abundance of rumors and speculations with expectations of what could be included in the budget. Knowing that, were there any surprises that maybe you didn't see coming in the budget this year? Well, sure, Dante. There, there's always something that we don't anticipate. And, and this year, for me, it was the proposed changes to the taxation of employee stock options. It's not a complete surprise, since this is an issue that was raised in the Liberals' election platform back in 2015. And it was discussed at some length at the beginning of their mandate, but they didn't make any changes at that time. However, now they're indicating that changes to employee stock options are forthcoming this summer. So what is it specifically that they're proposing? Well, stock options generally have favorable tax treatment in that the tax will benefit, which is the difference between the share value at the time of exercise, less the strike or acquisition price of the option, is typically eligible for a 50% deduction, such that this benefit is taxed similarly to a capital gain, though it remains employment income. But the government feels that the purpose of this tax incentive is to allow smaller startup companies with limited cash resources to attract and retain key employees without having to pay large salaries or bonuses, as opposed to larger mature firms. So they propose to limit the preferred tax treatment going forward by applying a $200,000 annual cap on the value of options granted. As such, the taxable benefit on options with a value at grant exceeding this $200,000 annual amount would be fully taxed for employees of these large mature firms. So I heard you mention that these changes are forthcoming this summer. Was there any specific timing or expectation of these proposals? Well, yes, Dante, the, the government indicated that the full details will be released before this summer, but stated that any changes would apply on a go-forward basis and would not apply to options granted prior to the announcement of the legislative proposals, which will implement this new tax regime. So it would therefore appear that options granted after this year's budget and before these proposals are formally introduced would not be subject to this new regime. So many companies may consider accelerating the granting of future stock options to meet this deadline. I'd also mention that the proposed changes are not intended to apply to stock options for so-called startups or rapidly growing Canadian businesses, such that the preferred tax treatment would remain uncapped for these companies. That said, the government did not provide a definition of these businesses, nor a distinction between large mature firms so we'll have to wait for further details in the coming months. Well, I guess we'll have to keep an eye out for those next steps from the government, and I'm sure we'll be hearing more from you about these changes. I want to move on to another note. In recent years, with people retiring later and living longer, there had been some speculation, including a pre-budget submission from the Canadian Association of Retired Persons, that the government might reduce or even eliminate the annual minimum required RIF withdrawal or defer the RIF commencement date past age 71. Any mention of these ideas in this year's budget? Well, yeah, you're right, Dante. That topic often does come up around budget time. But there was nothing specifically relating to those measures. But I, I would note that the budget proposes to add some additional annuity options for RIFs and other registered plans that could assist seniors in retaining more of their investments in a tax-sheltered environment. So how do you see this helping? Can you maybe elaborate on that? Sure. 
Uh, well, well, normally the tax rules require that an annuity purchased in a registered plan begins in the year the annuitant turns age 71. But these annuities, which are called advanced life deferred annuities, don't have to begin payout until just prior to age 85. But I should mention that there are restrictions on how much of these annuities can be purchased and a lifetime limit from all qualifying plans that is set originally at $150,000. But this option may alleviate some of the concerns about having to um, withdraw and pay tax on RIF income before it is needed. Well, it sounds like some welcome news, I'd say, for seniors impacted with these sort of registered plans. Well, John, before we end today's discussion, is there anything else you'd say worth noting? Yeah, Dante, I would just add that there wasn't really much of significance for Canadian small businesses in the budget. Just some tax incentives for Canadian journalism that was first alluded to in last fall's economic update and some relieving measures that will allow additional claims for research and development uh, tax credits. But the lack of new proposals for Canadian small businesses in the budget is notable given the significant changes to the taxation of Canadian private companies in recent years, such as the changes involving income splitting and passive investment income and a small business deduction. The government also reiterated they that they will continue to reach out to farmers, fishers, and other business owners to develop new proposals to better accommodate intergenerational transfers of businesses, which has certainly been an important issue in recent years that needs to be resolved. Well, John, thank you so much for your time. This is such a timely topic, and we appreciate the valuable insight that you were able to provide today in helping to distill these key messages from this year's budget. And thanks to all of you for tuning in to this episode of The Wealth Experience. To read the full federal budget report, visit bmowealthexchange.com slash plan. If you discovered something you'd like to learn more about, we encourage you to carry on the conversation with your BMO Relationship Manager. You've been listening to the Wealth Experience Podcast brought to you by BMO Wealth Management. The comments included in this podcast are general in nature and are not legal, tax, or accounting advice. Professional advice should be obtained for your specific circumstances. BMO Wealth Management is the brand name for a business group consisting of Bank of Montreal and certain of its affiliates in providing wealth management products and services. BMO Nesbitt Burns Incorporated is a member of the Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada.